cricket is coming and it's time for a bat. We're going sub some bodies and we'll have a good laugh. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Max CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is RRG Toyota Macclesfield. RRG Toyota are located on Hibble Road in Macclesfield and supply a wide range of new and used Toyota cars, together with Toyota parts and accessories. Due to the ongoing pandemic, their showroom is unfortunately closed, however their service centre remains open and you can browse their current stock online or get in touch with one of the sales team by calling 01625 704 787. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man is yet another former pupil and recent graduate of the King's School Macclesfield. Known for his aggressive batting, he also enjoys playing hockey, though mostly on the cricket pitch, it has to be said. He's a full-time student at the University of Colouring In. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tom Carter. TC, how are you? Miles, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yep, very, very well indeed. How's uh, how's everything in Birmingham? Yeah, the colouring in is going very well. Lots of it at the minute, which is, uh, I know, it'll be a surprise to a fair few people, probably my parents included. Well, more about that later, mate. We don't want to uh, give the game away too soon. Um, first question, mate, how have you been dealing with the lockdowns and general pandemic? Yeah, well, it's obviously not ideal, is it? It's a very odd time at the moment. It's not a bad time of the academic year, really, for that to be happening. I've got a fair bit going on, so it's uh, at least it's making me sit down and do that. But it's not the ideal sort of student life at the moment, really. No, well, that leads us nicely on to the next question, which is, tell us what you do when you aren't playing cricket. Well, when I'm not attempting to play cricket, I study geography, or colouring in, as you seem to solely refer to it as, at the University of Birmingham. You find me someone in the world who doesn't think studying geography at university is effectively colouring in. You're mostly right, in fairness, but myself, of all people, have to have to defend it. <laughs> How much colouring in do you reckon you, you genuinely have done at your time at university? None. I don't think I even own a single colouring pencil. <laughs> you are a liar. You are a liar tom carter i'm not having felt tips possibly (laughs) so would you say you're more of a highlighter rather than a coloring in enthusiast yeah i think so i've got the the pastel highlighters a level above the bog standard that's uh, some some seriously university grade highlighters there mate got to spend that uh, student loan on something well, that's it. I mean, you've touched on it a little bit, mate, but do you want to tell us kind of, you know, what life is like, I suppose, for you at university? It must be a very different and uh, strange time. I mean, this is your second year, for those that don't know. I should point that out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in my second year. So obviously a little bit of an easier situation to those that have just started, because I guess the one advantage I have got over them currently is that I do live with my closest mates and I'm not trying to go out and meet new people. So yeah, living with my best mates is, is nice, but because there's not much else to do at the minute, it does get a little bit much sometimes we end up getting on top of each other and i should probably mention i do live with seven other lads so that is uh exactly how people would imagine at times make from that what you will yeah i can't reveal too much more than that very good well i spoke to you on the phone the other day mate and um it was quite interesting actually because you told me that uh well 
I'll let you tell the listeners, but what have you been doing with your days? Well, believe it or not, my days have been getting up, you won't, you won't believe this, at about 10, which is fairly early, and going on to campus to do some work, which I forgot there was a campus. That's quite nice. So you've been go- getting up, having a bit of a routine, and going into campus and doing some work, which I, I, I was really impressed with. I mean, you know, we all like to think of students as, you know, staying in bed till the afternoon and basically doing no work and and there you are in the middle of a global pandemic getting up at, well i mean i won't say a sensible time but for a student a vaguely sensible time and and going doing some work well yes i try and do work um in the the weekdays and then try and have a little bit of time off at the weekends just to make it feel like things are a little bit more normal because obviously normally i'll be playing hockey on a saturday and recovering on a sunday i take it from that you mean you'll be recovering from the uh the aftermath of hockey yeah oh of course of course with the foam roller and everything that's exactly what i mean <laughs> very good um i mean talking of hockey you know as i mentioned in your your introduction you you, you know you're you're a keen hockeyist um, i'm going to use that term have, have you managed to be playing any hockey this year or is it kind of all off the cards at uni yeah, well, we managed to start when the term started around the end of September-ish. So we got maybe, I think it might have been five or six games in on Saturdays. And then when the tier system started, when the teams we were meant to be playing got put into tier three, they then couldn't travel. So then everything just got put on hold until, well, who knows when, the new year at some point, hopefully. And uh, do you want to tell us what team you play for and position you play in hockey? Yeah, well, I play in goal. Uh, and I've been playing for the, the third team at uni this year. But considering that the first team is full of mostly international people, I'm quite glad about that, really. Is the standard pretty good? Yeah, the standard is ridiculous. I think uh, at Birmingham, it's probably the top four or five hockey unis in the country. And hockey's probably the strongest sport here. So even to just be involved with the club is, um, I'm really, I'm really pleased. Oh, very good. Well, uh you know, to be fair on other people and on various podcasts, I, I don't let them talk about football. So it would be unjust of me to let you talk too much about hockey other than when it comes to your uh, hockey shots when you're batting. Uh, but more about that a bit later. Um, moving on to some cricket now, mate. What, what would you say your earliest cricketing memories are? Well, I thought about this this morning and I think the earliest I can remember playing cricket is probably aged about seven at school because my parents aren't really that sporty. So it's never a case of growing up hitting balls on the drive with my dad or whatever. So I think I think it was probably aged about seven. And I can remember my granddad, who I know a fair few of the, the listeners there will, will know, bought me this this bat from um, Sports Direct and it was £10. And I can remember that. And it was... Uh, it was rubbish and it had a hole in the bottom, which I'm not, I'm not too sure how that happened, but that seemed to do a job. Well, I mean, I would say that my bat's got a hole in the middle. So, I mean, one of us is telling the truth here, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, until someone else picks it up. <laughs> hey, to be fair, the old bat I had, I gave it to Cal and Cal told me it was a piece of firewood. So uh, thanks very much, Tom Parfit, if you're listening. <laughs> Well, uh, before we talk about cricket and Macclesfield, mate, uh, obviously you've mentioned, you know, some early cricket memories there and talk about playing at school. As I said before, you are a sort of recent graduate of King's Macclesfield. I just thought it'd be great to hear your experiences of cricket at school. Yeah, so I left two summers ago and played in the school first team for two and a little bit years before that, being coached at the start by the likes of Mr Kennedy and then Steve Moores when he fully took over with our team after that with Mr Harris, who uh, AJ Harris played for Knotts, I think it was, and just the wealth of knowledge that that they had, which was passed down to, to us, which made us play as such a strong team together. And bearing in mind that my age group, my school year, all the way through was um, was stronger than a lot of 
a lot of the others. So for us to all grow up from the sort of age 11, 12, playing pretty consistently all together, meant that those those last few years at school was um, a, we were a pretty close-knit group and uh, we couldn't have done much better than, than how we did, really. And did you have much success in, in your, I guess, probably in your last two years, really, in your sixth form years when you were playing your most sort of serious senior cricket and, and first team cricket? Was there much success with the team? Yes, I can remember when we were under-17s, we played in the under-17s T20 competition, which is the lower sixth. And we also played in the under-18 equivalent. And we got to the final of both, which was the North finals I think it could have been or the north I think it was the north finals that would have been and we went away to play the finals at Sedba both times we lost we lost both of those sadly one of the which was very very disappointing we bowled Sedba out for uh, 99 or 100 I think it was in 20 overs and we couldn't knock it off but we always did well with the age group competitions I remember I think it might have been under 15 so that have been year 10 uh, we won the the Cheshire Cup although admittedly I didn't I didn't play as much in that team then but yeah we had pretty constant success all the way through and then particularly at the end yeah and you've mentioned a couple of the the coaches that you were sort of fortunate enough to work with Andy Kennedy who obviously does uh, appear at Macclesfield and offer his uh, undoubted knowledge and expertise at times AJ Harris you mentioned as well but the uh, the one man I thought we'd we'd reserve a little bit more uh bit more de- digging and detail on is is uh, good old Steve Moores. What, what can you tell us about uh, Mr Moores? Oh, I suppose you can call him Steve now, can't you? Well, I think we called him Steve at school as well. I'm not too sure how happy he was at that at the time. But when he's trying to control how, what, 14 or 15, 16, 17-year-old lads, then uh, I think he's probably got bigger issues to worry about. But it was brilliant. It was brilliant um, playing under Steve. And just the way he made us go about the game in a more sort of mature sense as well, rather than just trying to score as quickly as possible or, you know, getting bored in the field. And that was particularly one thing that he really, really encouraged with us was the importance of fielding and fielding as a unit. So that importance of, of backing up, uh, you know, throws and supporting each other in the field as a team, which I, I really think has been sort of transferred into my uh, cricket playing at Mac as well. You mentioned obviously fielding there and, and I know Steve has been sort of synonymous with, with fielding and hearing from people like the Isherwoods and Tom Parfit, Cal have all sort of waxed lyrical about, you know, fielding practice and fielding drills and, and all this sorts of stuff. Um, you know, would you say Steve is, uh, you know, quite a, a sort of revolutionary coach when it comes to that stuff or is he more you know, the basics, just rinse and repeat. Um, you know, what's what's his sort of coaching style when it comes to things like fielding? I think the rinse and repeat was quite was quite a good way of you um of you describing it because I remember say we used to do fielding warm ups before playing games and if we just kept putting catches down, he just kept hitting them up until we um perfected it. So I don't think it was really anything like revolutionary, but it was just that repetition and getting into the, the right shape every time and, and backing ourselves to be able to do things. Um, but if you look at the the standard of, of cricketers that have been almost produced under Stephen, that's truly testament to um, to his abilities as as a coach. Very good. And of course, there is the much uh, much vaunted honours board at Kings. Were you lucky enough to get on it? Yeah, so I managed to get onto the honours board in my penultimate game for school. In fact, though, I don't think I'm on the honours board yet because I think I was uh, the person before me was the last name to fit on the board. So then obviously with the, the transfer to the new school, I don't think my name got added to that um, that pavilion on the, on the front field. I'm not sure whether it's been added to the new one yet. I'll have to get on to Steve about that. Uh, but yes, I got 100 in penultimate game. 
for school on the front field, which was, it was a really, really nice way to end not just my cricket times at school, but my times in, in general at school, because I was at King's all the way through from age four. So then to be able to sort of off with my name still there, I was really, really pleased with, because I feel like if you're playing cricket like that, then that's really the goal, isn't it? To sort of get your name on the board. And if you look at the previous names who were on that board, I was really, it's a really nice achievement to have. Yeah, you're in some pretty good company especially uh, not just from King's point of view but from players that have played for Macclesfield you know you're, you're in some pretty fine company going uh, you know back further than even people that are playing currently now uh, before we uh, move off from King's and, and talk about Macclesfield uh, the last thing I wanted to, to mention was um, you had a recent trip to uh, the UAE um, with school any any good stories or standout performances from that trip Oh, that was brilliant! Yeah, that was um, that was one of the highlights of of school as a whole. Uh, just to be able to play cricket against people who maybe play the game slightly differently and have a different way of, of looking at it, and then to also to play in those those foreign facilities as well was amazing. We played in the Sheikh Zayed Stadium in Abu Dhabi, where the night before I think it was Sri Lanka played. Pakistan in a T20 on the exact same wicket that we played on and it was broadcast on TV so then to sort of be able to play on those on those facilities used by some of the, the top people in the world I don't think you get that opportunity through many other places there's a good, good group of lads that went as well a lot of people that I've sort of grown up with some even from age 9 10 so to then go off to somewhere as as real true foreign as that to uh, to play cricket was was amazing and what were the the facilities like and indeed what was the pitch like if you you know playing on effectively an international standard wicket well the wicket itself is sort of baked clay almost it's like really really compact dirt um so it's a lot firmer which means that you know bounces harder and the bowlers are a little bit quicker but then equally they really spin as well um so it's nothing like playing on a lovely soggy green top the third team in May so it's about as far away from from that as you could get really but the outfields in these on these grounds that we played on it's like stepping onto carpet every single blade of grass is the exact same length the ball there is no excuse for misfields the ball goes so smoothly to you uh, no bubbles or anything it's um it's amazing the, the the quality and the money that they can spend there as well so just like playing on parkside that's basically what you're saying it's, it's just like Parkside in uh, in April, yeah, with your four jumpers on. Very good indeed, mate. Well, it's, it's great to hear about, you know, your sort of time and, and experiences at Kings and, and to follow in the footsteps, as I said, of, of many players from Macclesfield who also went to Kings. Um, but now let's let's talk about Mac and, and cricket there. And um, my question would be, when did you start playing for Macclesfield? I think it was possibly when I was 10. So playing in the under 10s and the under 11s was the start of me playing at Mac because I think I played for a couple of years at school before um, taking it just a little bit more seriously. And I can remember my dad saying to me that he wasn't going to pay the subscription fees to the club if I was going to stop it after two weeks. And yet here we are almost 10 years later making podcasts. Well, what a, what a full circle you've come, Tom. You, you've gone from humble beginnings as a 10-year-old to, to being on a podcast. I know my name's going to be on Spotify. That's 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 when you know you've completed it. Yeah, you've cricket mate completed it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Very good. And um, any any sort of standout achievements or performances that you can remember through through your time in the academy? I can remember being. I think it could have possibly been the younger end of the under 11s. So in that year, school year above, there was people like Adam Cartwright, Robbie Peel. Toby Spencer pick up and I think that year when it was my year and that year above I think we won everything I think I don't really remember losing anything with them 
on uh, what would have been would it have been a Sunday morning we used to play then? I can remember just going up and turning over anyone. I can remember playing at Bollington where it would have been uh, pairs cricket, so you get four overs to bat in a pair, and then um, every wicket you lose, you know, you only lose runs rather than uh, rather than wickets. And I can remember we beat Bollington by something like three hundred runs. Playing on on the rep, I think that was that was one of the most standout games. I can remember Robbie Peel just taking wicket after wicket after wicket. Well, here's a question for you, Tom. You know, I've I've never actually played pairs cricket, but if you and I played a pairs game tomorrow, do you think that we would end up with a positive score? I think if I milked the strike <laughs> and made sure you didn't have the opportunity to sweep every other ball, I think there'd be a chance. I'm I'm just gonna hold you to that thought momentarily <laughs> because I think we might be coming back to that uh, it, shortly but yeah just go back to Mac and uh, what I'd say is how, how did you find the transition from the academy uh, to the seniors? Well one thing that I remember it was Stuart Garnett used to drill into us was the the transition from junior to cricket and getting noticed by the senior teams and the senior players um, he stressed the importance of the fielding and the need for that so I remember there was a few of us that used to work really, really hard on the fielding to make sure that we gave ourselves the best best possible chance. And then I think I would have been maybe 14, 13 or 14, probably 14, I reckon. And I remember the first success that I really had playing senior cricket was uh, opening the batting for the fourth team with James Coombs, who must have been maybe only about 12 or 13 at the time. And me and him chased 115-ish without losing a wicket and we knocked it off. We knocked it off and on down. Do you uh, do you remember how many runs you got? How many runs he got? Yeah, I think um, of the I think it was about 115 we needed to win. I remember getting 76 not out, and I think James got 34 or five. It might not have been a come apparent, but I'm sure it will at some point. That Tom here is a little bit of a stat badger, and especially when it comes to his own stats. And I happen to know for a fact that he has his own personal spreadsheet on his computer where he inputs all of his stats um, so that he can tell you his average for his whole career. Now, do you care to deny these allegations, Tom? You're not quite right. I have one separate spreadsheet per season. So it's not exactly my career. I could tell you my average per season. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm quite keen on that until it comes to time to enter my bowling stats and then it gets rather depressing and, uh, and I lose hope. I'm hoping that we don't talk any more about your bowling on this podcast, but who knows? We'll we'll have to wait and see. I'm waiting for you to ask me if I'm a batsman or a batting all-rounder or what. Well, I, I point black refuse to ask you that question now you said that. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do, Tom. Um, no. Well, it's good to hear about your, sort of, your transition. And, and do you remember when you sort of first um, felt like you were comfortable playing senior cricket? Oh, that implies I'm comfortable playing senior cricket now. I think at the start, people were a bit too quick and you know the ball was hit a little bit too hard at you because you go from being sort of a big fish in a small pond to being a very small fish in a very big pond so I reckon maybe probably about 15 I was really beginning to enjoy it and then I really hate to say this but playing with the likes of you and uh Chris Flint, I think, was really when I started to enjoy playing it a lot more with, with you guys. I wish I could say I enjoy playing cricket with Chris Flint, but uh, no, of course. It's just comedic. <laughs> that's, uh, I reckon that's the, shot, the first shot fired today, Tom. So there we go. I'm sure Flint will enjoy that one. I mentioned, obviously, you having a bit of a penchant for stats and you love your averages and you're a bit of a stat badger. So I think it's probably a good 
good opportunity to talk about some of your stats. And uh, much as I said, I don't want to talk about your bowling. I think it would be only fair, given some of the people on this podcast the airtime I have given for them to talk about their bowling, such as Rob Porter, um, the least I can do is, is is afford you the same luxury. So we'll talk about your bowling stats first, TC. In all, for Macclesfield, you've bowled 51 overs, five maidens, God knows how, conceding 290 runs, taking 10 wickets with a best, an unbelievable best of four for 16. Do you remember that four for? I do remember that four for, yeah, it was... I think I was possibly under 12, maybe. No, must have been maybe younger than that. It's 2016. 2016? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I was a little bit older than that then, but it was against Port Sunlight at home. I can remember that. This was when I was attempting to bowl sort of seam up as quick as I can and not really worry about where it lands. And I remember six of those 16 runs I gave away was I tried to bounce this child and he sort of, threw his hands at it and he punched it for six over square leg um, and I was absolutely raging I was absolutely fuming um, I don't really remember the four wickets I can remember Jack Marshall clap keeping though and uh, dishing out a bit of chat to them Was he taking one-handed grabs down leg side for no apparent reason? No because that that would imply I could get people to snick off oh, that's <laughs> Well it might have hit their pads who knows <laughs> Spray it down the leg side yeah So yeah you, you got ten wickets for Mac um, I think it's important to, to point out your economy rate of 5.6, which is why I never bowl you. But uh, you do have this reputation. I mean, you've probably given it to yourself, in fairness, as as being uh, King's premium off-spinner. Now, was this all talk from you, or were you actually King's premium off-spinner for your, your, your sick form years? No, believe it or not, I actually was. And it was. I think it was just for the upper sixth year. Somehow, I decided I was going to try and bowl off-spin because we didn't have anyone in the team that bowled off-spin. And at the time, I think I was probably batting five, six, seven and thought, yeah, I can offer a little bit more here. So I, um, I turned to Steve and I was like, please teach me off spin. And despite all his wealth of knowledge, I'm not very good at it. It doesn't really spin. You're lucky if it only bounces once. But I did manage to take a few. I think I took 11 wickets in one season for school, which I'm going to milk as long as possible. I do remember giving you a bowl um, for the third team in a game uh, and, and instantly regretting it. That's as much as I can say about your bowling, Tom. Well, you mentioned before I have five maidens for Mac, and I thought to myself, four of those maidens came in one spell, which tells you either how bad the opposition were or how bad I am the rest of the time at bowling. Yeah, well, look, let's move on from your bowling to your batting. And and again, I will give you the opportunity. Do you consider yourself an all-rounder, bearing in mind how much you've just talked up your miserable bowling? I am definitely not an all-rounder. But if I tell you I'm an all-rounder and you give me more of a chance to bowl, then I'll be an all-rounder for you, Miles, yeah. Well, if you can uh, get in to bowl ahead of Steve Whittingham, Tony Moores and uh, Sam Hughes, you'll be doing something very, very well. Or they're all very, very injured. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or very, very unselectable. Right, let's move on to the batting, mate. Obviously... You know, all joking aside, that is your uh, your your forte, let's say. Uh, in total for Macclesfield, you've played 107 games with 99 innings, 22 not outs, scoring 2,076 runs with a higher score of 136 not outs, averaging 26.9. You've got 650s and 300s. Firstly, anything in those numbers that you're... You're keen on anything you'd like to improve? How do you feel about your, your sort of max stats? Uh, I think I'm quite pleased, really, considering there was um, 
a period where I was trying to balance playing for Mac and playing for school and could only really do half of a club season. No, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with those, really. I'm a bit annoyed at being stuck on 99 innings. That's going to annoy me until until April. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I can offer you something to uh, you know keep yourself motivated with over the winter months. Well, every little helps at the minute, doesn't it? Well, I think the thing um, that, you know, that leaps out at me is excluding the season or half a season that we've just had, the, the previous three years, you've scored 100 in each season. Um, and, you know, you only managed 10 games uh, for Macclesfield in our COVID season last season, which was all T20 games, I think, for yourself. And indeed, it, when it says you've played 10 games, you, you'll have played two games on one day for some of those. So I don't know how many sort of Saturdays you manage for, for, for Mac, but um, you still managed to post 242 runs um, compared to the previous year when you played 17 games, 16 innings, 520 runs. So, you know, you probably would have been on for a sort of similar tally um are you pleased to have been able to to get those 300s um and indeed the 50s as well yeah yeah it's always it's always nice uh you mentioned that 136 at, at, i think it was brooklyn's that's possibly the highlight of my time playing for mac so far but it's always nice to sort of not just score runs for yourself but to be able to to repay faith in whoever's picked you or whatever team you're playing in that week and sort of, you know, prove why why you should be there. Well, you mentioned that Brooklyn's game, Tom, and I think it's a good point to maybe move on and, and talk about a couple of games that you've played for Macclesfield. Um, so this game was from the 3rd of August, 2019. And as you said, the opposition were Brooklyn's and this was Macclesfield 13 versus Brooklyn's third team. Um, Macclesfield won the toss and elected to bat. So there's absolutely no way that I was captaining this game. Um, and indeed, I'm pretty sure that Chris Flint was captain that day. Uh, so he won the toss and elected to bat. Macclesfield posting 237 for four off 36 overs, which is going some. Bearing in mind, 230, 240 off 45 overs for the threes is, is a pretty good score. And we managed to ratchet up 237 off 36 overs. Um, yourself, as discussed, you batted number three that day uh, and you were 136 not out with 24s and four sixes. What do you remember, firstly, about uh, you know the game and, and perhaps Flinty winning the toss, which in that season would have been a rarity for the third team, given that I went on uh, a streak of 11 losses on the bounce? I remember it was quite a hot day, and um, Chris came and told us he'd won the toss, and obviously we didn't believe him. <laughs> and then he told us we were batting, which I was I was quite glad about because it was quite warm and I was looking forward to, you know, just sitting on the side, waiting for my turn to bat, maybe five or six. And then Chris told me I was batting at three and I was like, oh, okay, okay, brilliant. And um, I can't, I think it was maybe Ian and young Brad opening the batting and then I joined Brad quite quickly. And then I think me and him batted together for quite some time. I think he got a few that day as well. He batted quite nicely. That was when he would just come into the team. Um, I batted for a while with him, which is uh, always nice to bat with, bat with uh, someone just coming in. And yeah, I think me and then Chris came in with me at the end. And uh, to be fair, one of the boundaries was only about 60 metres. I think that that might explain the, the fours and the sixes. And then I think I got a little bit bored at the end and just started trying to heave everything over to the shorter side. And then it worked for a period. And then Chris. Chris decided to declare, so that was that. I mean, I I don't blame him for declaring against Brooklands, who, if we're honest, are one of the worst stitchers in our league. Um, 
uh, <laughs> and indeed, I think they did try and stitch this game pretty much from the beginning, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They came out and just blocked and left and blocked and blocked, which is boring. Which is well, I shan't go into the debate of win, lose, draw cricket because we could be here forever, and we'll probably upset some people in the process. But yes, they did just come out and block everything and didn't show any intent on winning. So it took us quite a while to bowl them out, I think, but they didn't get any runs. I think they only got 70-odd, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously a declaration off the 36 overs tells you everything you need to know about uh, what we thought they would do. Um, do you remember there was much chat from Flinty? Had he said to you, you know, I'm going to declare early? Was this before or after your 100? Do you remember? I remember getting to 50, and obviously because there's no scoreboard with each individual batsman's scores on, I knew I got to 50 and then I scored quite quickly from then. So I knew I must have been approaching 100, you know, sooner rather than later. But I also remember Chris saying they've got a reputation for stitching, so we'll be declaring. So then I was thinking, well, I want to get to 100 before we declare. So I then just hurried up a little bit more and got to 100. And I was like, oh, brilliant, great. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And then Chris came out to join me to bat. And he was like, well, you might as well just try and whack it a bit more now. And then we'll declare in 10 minutes. So then I think I hit those other 36 after getting to 100 in about 10 balls. And um, Chris declared and we walked off. Well, I do remember speaking to Flinty on the on the phone after the game. And he told me that you had deposited uh, one of their bowlers, who should remain nameless, who I don't particularly have a lot of time for, onto the... Um, uh, Brooklyn's at the back pitch there. It's sort of surrounded by tennis courts and a, and a hockey pitch and a lacrosse pitch, isn't it? And uh, he, he told me that you deposited several balls into the lacrosse game or something like that. Yeah, there was people playing lacrosse on the... Uh, it was on the hockey pitch, on the artificial surface. And I hit two. So I don't even know how I did it because I can't play on the leg side. We all know that. But I sort of just flicked it off my front pad over mid-wicket. Well, it was probably cow corner. And, <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. And then narrowly avoided hitting some lacrosse players, probably called Chad and Zach or whatever. Uh, and that happened twice. And then there was one where I narrowly missed hitting a middle-aged woman playing tennis as well at Long Gone. And then I also hit one through the sight screen as well. There's a hole in the middle, the slap bang in the middle of their sight screen um, where I just deposited one of the spinners well to round out the game uh, as you correctly said Brooklyn's were 70 all out in 28 overs and if I remember correctly there was uh, four wickets for DC four for Ben Winrow and one for Ben Kerwin and a retired not out was that an, due to injury Cy Lee their wicketkeeper retiring oh yeah yeah I'd forgotten about that he gave so much chat during our batting innings so much and I think he just annoyed every single person who came out to bat and there was one point where he stumped me despite the fact my foot was probably about a yard and a half in the crease and then started giving uh, Brad Porter a spray who was square leg umpire which is probably quite a controversial decision anyway considering you probably shouldn't be umpiring age about 12 um, and then when he came out to bat and they were obviously still trying to stitch it everyone just started laying into him and then he decided to try and I think he pulled it, uh, ran up to the non-strikers end, and then as he turned to run the second, I think his knee gave in, and there was an almighty crunch, and then he did a fair bit of rolling about on the floor, like, I don't know, prime Ronaldo, and, um, and then he, I don't think he carried on batting after that, and I don't think he even stayed for handshakes either, I think he just got in his car and went home. Well, you know what we say to that, TC, winners are grinners. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Since the debut episode back in March, 
we have amassed over 7,000 unique downloads and been recognised by the ECB with a national award for proactive leadership in the community, as featured recently on Sky Sports. The podcast continues to develop and grow, and I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners, for continuing to support and engage with the podcast. The podcast is self-funded, and we could not continue to create content without the support of our Patreons. For anyone interested in supporting the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash get it whacked, or you can click the link in the description of this podcast. Thank you. Well, moving on to the other game, I actually spoke about it on the, the podcast that, that I did with Langers uh, for the end of the first season. Uh, so if anyone hasn't listened to that ball fest, don't, because it's all about me. Um, <laughs> but no, joking aside, um, yeah, this was a, a game against Disley's second team for the third team back in uh, the, on the 13th of May 2017. Um, and I sort of regaled uh, everybody with uh, you know my side of the tale about how I'd batted with you and you got a hundred and various other things but I thought it'd be quite nice uh, given that you you were keen to talk about this game to hear your side of the story and perhaps you can uh, dispel a few myths that I probably told when I uh, I regaled everyone with my side of the events. Well I remember I almost didn't play that game because the Saturday before was my birthday and it was my GCSE year and my exams were about to start and I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go and play on my birthday. And we turned up to Didsbury, you know, the rugby pitches, and we were rolled for about 40. And I got a first ball duck and I was like, no, right, I'm not, I'm not playing next week. I'm going to focus on the exams. I'm going to do it all properly and then I'll play cricket afterwards. And my mum and dad went, no, don't be silly. Come on, you enjoy playing cricket. Now you're going to go and play next week. You're at home as well. So you can do some revision afterwards. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, fine, fine. And we turned up to Disley, who no longer exists, do they? Well, they're um, part of Northeast Cheshire, aren't they? Yeah, they've merged, aren't they? Now? And we batted first, and I think we got about 190, maybe, all out. Um, and then they ended up knocking it off two down, which we shan't talk about. But I opened the batting with John Smith, I remember, and he got 20 very, very quickly, just by smacking everything through point. As you mentioned on your on your podcast with uh, with Langers, we were uh, quite short on batting that day. So you had a nosebleed batting at six and uh, Richard Flint came out to bat at three. So I think a couple of wickets fell quite quickly and then you and me batted together for, what do you reckon, best part of two hours? I, I don't know. It felt like a very long time and I, I certainly uh, haven't spent anywhere near that time at the crease before or since. <laughs> But yeah, of um, of the 107 runs, I think 80 of them were in fours. So I wasn't really in any sort of mood to be uh, hanging about. And then again, of those 107 runs, I think about 90 of them were through third slip. Um, so it possibly wasn't the uh, the prettiest of, of hundreds, but it was really, really nice to get sort of that first one um, for the club. Uh, but there, the, the Disney captain... Every time I've played against him since, doesn't let me forget that all of my runs were scored through third slip. Now, is that in fact the chap that that uttered the immortal line a few seasons after that when you were playing at Disley? Indeed it is. And he was correct (laughs) in telling me that cricket is a much better game when Miles Horner doesn't play. I know a few people have brought this up and, and Lang has talked about it, but you were actually batting at the time, weren't you? Yeah, I think... No, I was keeping wicket in a T20, which is a crime in itself. (laughs) And he was batting. And I can't remember, but whoever was at first slip mentioned your name. And 
he turned around to me out of his stance and came out with the line. And in fairness to him, I think I just sort of nodded. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Stu Reynolds, he absolutely loves me. <laughs> Said nobody ever. Um, no. Moving swiftly onwards from that, TC, um, it's nice to kind of uh, get a flavour for, for, for your career to date. And obviously, you've got a lot more cricket in front of you than you, you have behind you, I think it's fair to say. Um, but I thought, you know, in your relatively short career, shall we say, for Macclesfield, um, especially at the senior cricket, nonetheless, I'm sure you might have some, some cricketing memories or funny stories or indeed possibly something from Kings involving uh, some of the other lads that play for Macclesfield. Does anything jump out at you? Yeah, I remember when we were in Dubai. Once again, I was keeping wicket for some reason, and we were playing on one of the uh, one of the out pitches at the the Sheikh Zayed Stadium, which are equally pristine. And somehow, I was keeping wicket, and Sam Buckingham was bowling off spin. Well, I say bowling more like he was chucking off in. And I don't think a single ball in his over bounced once. It was either full tosses or double bounces. And the worst part was it was a wicket maiden. He, he got this bloke out LBW after it bounced twice. This is before they changed the rule. It bounced twice, hit him about as plump as possible. If anything, it was going under. And I was <laughs> desperate not to appeal. I was desperate not to appeal, but he, he was out. And we, we, never heard, we never heard the end of that. We never heard the end of that. And that was always his, uh, his, his argument for being allowed to bowl afterwards. <laughs> I, I don't mean, think he ever did. I've heard this story from Bucky about how he took this wicket you know, and it turns square in Dubai and all this sort of stuff. But he fails to mention that it bounced twice. <laughs> it might have turned square on the first bounce, in fairness to him, but the second one definitely went straight on and was hitting the bottom of middle. Very, very good. And, uh, you know, I'm sure at times you've been uh, stood with some interesting characters from Macclesfield. Um, are, there, are there any uh, sort of good stories or any, any good jokes you can recall? Yeah, for certain. At the start of this season... I don't remember we went and played Trafford Metrovix on a Sunday as a friendly. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And despite it being, may I add, a friendly, a friendly friendly, I was stood at third slip with Witters and Rob Porter as they were absolutely laying into this bloke, of which I can't repeat any of it. I can't repeat anything. But I was stood there at third slip trying to concentrate on the ball rather than listening to their endless drivel that was coming out. So God knows how I held that catch off your bowling miles. But I think that was that was the most destructive I've ever been playing cricket. Yeah, I do remember that because you did uh, not to, to talk about my bowling, but you did take a very very fine grab at third slip, um, which in itself is a miracle. Um, so God knows why you were there, but um, I must have put you there for some reason. I probably put you there just to annoy you, having to stand next to Witters and uh, Rob Porter, frankly. And they came up with the idea of a game where each week they would pick out uh, an item of of cricket equipment and they would have to turn up the following week with said item but they had to spend as little as possible and they were going to see at the end of the season who could have a full cricket set for as little as possible because I think Witters was explaining how his current pair of spikes cost him £2.50 in 1990 or something and uh, how he didn't need, a, didn't need a new pair. I can't imagine anybody could get Stephen Whittingham to open his wallet on a weekly basis, so I'm not sure why he was discussing this game. He was probably just trying to wind ports up. I'm not convinced he owns a wallet, actually. I I think that is one of the most sensible things you've said on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe ever. 
<laughs> who knows i do remember um <laughs> we've talked about this before but i do remember in that game tom radley was uh playing and, and those two were stood in the slips trying to come up with the most ridiculous cow and farming based uh quips and my favorite one that witter said was um come on radders bowl him a yorker and he'll lactose <laughs> yeah oh i think that was maybe the 50th pun that had been made so we were running out of uh of cow themed cow themed words and just came out with that and i think uh radley uh, i think tom stopped his run-up and just started laughing yeah he did yeah i'm not sure he particularly appreciated that but it's better than being told to put him out to pasture and god what no, yeah, yeah. You said utterly brilliant bowling and all uh, just horrendous chat absolutely horrendous but to say that was a friendly i think it was the first game of the season as well in the, you know this most recent weird season so you know, COVID was in full swing and it was a friendly and these two were still dishing out abuse to anyone and everyone, including poor Tom Radley, who may I add, because, you know, we had to turn up in full whites, he turned up in a blazer with a cravat as well. <laughs> that was that week. <laughs> he threatened, uh, he hasn't yet gone through with it, he threatened to turn up to a game at some point with his blazer and cravat on a tractor. No, that's awful. I, I hope for everyone else's sake that we're allowed to use the changing rooms next season. Otherwise, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. <laughs> well, there we go. Look, TC, before we wrap up the podcast, I just thought it'd be interesting to hear about your aims for next season. Um, firstly, to ask whether you think you, you might be able to play any cricket or if you intend on playing cricket at university and indeed for Macclesfield. No, no. So I don't play any, any form of cricket at uni. So my full intention is to come and play as much as possible at Mac. Um, hopefully next summer there'll be a bit more sort of stability with everything else as well um, no, so my full intentions to, to come and I'd quite like to cement that place I'd got in the second team at the back end of, of this most recent season and, uh, and sort of push on from there really TC it's been an absolute pleasure any closing remarks before we wrap up the podcast? No well thanks for having me it's been um, a great listen to your podcast all the way through this summer and uh, I'm glad that you've decided to renew it for a second season Thank you very much, mate. It's uh, it's been a good uh, good opportunity to talk about all things Kings and Mac and and hear from. Uh, well, I can't really call you a young player anymore, can I? One of our transitioning players, should we say? Um, Trans- but- I like that word. That's a good word. <laughs> it certainly is. I'm sure you can uh, think about how to get that into a geography essay tomorrow. Well, yeah, I've finished all my colouring in by then. <laughs> very good, TC. All the best, mate. Thank you very much, Miles. I'll see you soon. Cool.